Well, in every epic story, there is a destination. The story might have trials, it might have challenges, it might have battles, but all of those are worth it to endure because at the end, there's a destination. And there's a lot of great pieces of literature, a lot of art that says this. And one piece of art that came out in 1983, you may or may not be familiar with, uh, was a piece of cinema called National Lampoon's Vacation with Chevy Chase. Now, I'm in no way endorsing that movie. Maybe the sanitized version on TBS would be okay. But Chevy Chase plays uh, Clark what? Clark, thank you, Clark Griswold. That was a mispronounced word just waiting to happen. Uh, And he wants to take his family from Chicago to LA, but chooses not to fly because he wants the adventure in between. And, And all types of bad stuff happens, right? along the way. And I was trying to remember some of these things. Grandma died. That was one thing. A dog got drugged, right? What else happened? Someone help me remember anything. Okay. The wheels came off in St. Louis intentionally. Yeah. All types of bad things would happen. Uh, Memories are being perked all over this room. But here it was. Clark would tell his family, Wally World is ahead of us. Now, like I tell you, there's a breakdown to every analogy. And at the end, Wally World was closed for repairs. So that messes up my point completely. But in other epic movies, there's always something at the end that makes the challenge worth it. Well, I'm starting a series that I have been very, very excited to share with you out of the book of Isaiah. And the book of Isaiah... Is a complicated book in some ways, but in other ways, it's very simple. It starts off with a very harsh judgment. And, and God is using Isaiah to say difficult things and to tell the people, difficult times are coming. Judgment's coming. But God, when he gives a message that's hard and challenging, he never leaves us without hope. So he says, yes, a hard time is coming, but at the end... At the end of the difficult time, there is something way better than Wally World. There is something I have for you. And we know for sure that what God promises is going to come to pass because of his character and who he is. The title of this series is called Yahweh Saves because that is what Isaiah's name means. So every time Isaiah's name was called out, the people heard the phrase, Yahweh saves. That was his meaning. Yahweh's the name for God. It's a name so sacred that in some of the Hebrew texts, they don't even use the vowels. They would just put Y-H-W-Y because it's special. It's a special name. Yahweh saves. God brings salvation. So Isaiah, his very name communicated that God brings salvation. In a time period when God's people were in a difficult time, and things weren't going their way, some of it because of their own choices, all of it because of God's sovereign plan. He said, Yahweh saves. There is a plan. Now, Isaiah, what makes it difficult is it's, the book doesn't happen in a linear way like we're used to. So the book might go along and talk about a certain time period, and then the next chapter will talk about a time period Dozens of years before. 
So my point in this message series is not to educate you on the book of Isaiah as far as all of the historical aspects of it and the way the book itself is put together. That would be a good thing to do, but probably a better, another setting would be better for that, more of an academic setting or a discussion setting. But what I do want to share with you is all through the book of Isaiah, the one thing that's simple and is true is when God makes a promise and God reveals his character and God shares his message and his word, it is just as true for you and I right now as it was for the people who heard this message five to 6,000 years ago. God's word is true. And you're gonna get some nuggets, some promises that I want, I want them to get in your mind and in your heart. I want you to mark your Bibles and make a, make a mark on your U version and go back to these scriptures because they will be nuggets of truth and life and hope and something for you even in the most difficult times. So today we're gonna talk about perfect peace. Perfect peace. And verse three, in a moment when we read verse three, it's one of the most famous, famous verses in the Bible. In fact, about 600 years ago when Christians had a Bible for themselves, because up until that time, Christians didn't have the Bible. They were just totally dependent upon priests. But when Christians got the Bible, from that point on throughout recent church history, Isaiah chapter 26, verse three, is one of the most famous Bible verses in scripture. I, I, I was reflecting, I knew this Bible verse and I prayed it before I even knew where it was because it was so much part of my psyche and my life. And so I want you to know where it is and I hope after today's message, you understand it better. Let's start in verse one before we get to verse three. And I'm just gonna read the scripture in its totality here in the passage and then we'll, we'll break, break it down from there. Verse one says it this way, it says, in that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open up the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in it. And then verse three is the classic verse. None are more special than the other. It's only classic in the sense of its familiarity to us. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. We're gonna spend a lot of time on that verse as this talk unfolds. One thing that's got lost in the news cycle is one of the international issues we're dealing with right now, and that is North Korea's pursuit of a nuclear weapon. And Iran is also pursuing a nuclear weapon. And I believe that one of the issues of our day that Christians, we don't give enough attention to is the fact that this world would be a whole lot better, a much better place without nuclear weapons. I would love to see a day when this world is completely free of nuclear weapons. And that will happen someday when King Jesus comes. Because Jesus said, the prophet said that when he comes, that he will turn their swords into plowshares. It means this, is that all the technology that's used for weapons and to destroy life will become productive and fruitful. And I'm looking forward to that day. So there's aggressive states like at North Korea, 
in Iran that's wanting to use this, we, we suppose, for, to, you know, to have their own, their own efforts and for their own means to happen. And then you have more passive states like Pakistan and India who seem to have got these weapons more in the defensive stage. I'm saying all of this not for political commentary, but for you to understand that a nation state feels safer when they have the highest technology possible. That's just the history of mankind. And we always want the best weapons possible. Whatever state you're in, for whatever purpose, you want the best weapons possible to either advance your purpose or defend yourself. Now, I say all of that to help us understand verse 1 a little bit better. Let's go back to verse 1. And you need to understand where it says this. In that day, I underline this word. In that day, if you can put verse 1, is, it, is the computer, okay, computer's having a little bit of delay. In that day, this song will be sung. What that is talking about is a day to come. And I would suggest, and I believe that the day this verse is talking about has not even happened now here in 2013. All around, all around Jerusalem during this time, the Assyrians were conquering cities. We know historically that the Babylonians conquered the city. But God now is talking through Isaiah. And he's telling the people, there is coming a day in that day. This song will be sung. Let me talk to you about a song for a second. Do you know that a song is the language of our hearts? After a national catastrophe like we had last week, and I hope you're praying for the victims of Boston, just because we appear to have found the perpetrators doesn't mean the pain and the hardship for those who have lost loved ones or who have, who have become disabled. That has not end, ended in our prayers are still needed. Our prayers and focus uh, still need to happen because what happened in Boston was just evil, period. Evil. It can't be explained away. It can't be excused. It can't be rationalized. It was evil. But what happens after a national tragedy? Song brings us back together. The sporting events that happened the days after Boston, there was this idea that this powerful time when the seventh inning stretch of the Red Sox game, when they sang God Bless America, which has been our national custom since September 11th, 2001. When that song was sung, there was solidarity. It was a language of the heart. Music communicates something that other forms of communication can't quite tap into. There's an emotion to it. We're, we're, we bond by our sound the national anthem. And then here, there's songs even for a church like ours that are special to us, that, that make us feel connected. And here is the scripture saying that in that day, in that day to come, you're gonna sing out of the emotion of your heart. A song is gonna be sung. A song's gonna come out of you. A melody's gonna come out. And here's the lyrics to the melody. We have a strong city. We have a strong city. Now, what I want you to imagine here in this ancient text, maybe 6,000 years old, what was the most powerful weapon in that day? The most powerful weapon in that day were walls, strong walls, walls that defended the city, walls that could not be penetrated. And a truly, truly strong city did not just have walls. 
Within the walls, they had a garrison. They had an army. So the word picture is that a city with strong walls that you can't penetrate. And inside that strong wall is a garrison or an army. The army is right there. In that day, God is talking to people who are being surrounded by armies, who have cities that are fallen, falling to a foreign nation all around them. And he's saying, in that day, in the day to come, in the land of Judah, you're going to see this. We have a strong city. He, being the Messiah, sets up salvation as walls and bulwark. Here's the first thing I want you to acknowledge today in your review or in you version is this. is perfect protection. Perfect protection. God wants you to know that through him you have perfect protection. Now I wish, I wish right now that I could promise you that you would never have an unsafe moment. And there would never be a risk for you. And ahead of you that there would never be a terrorist attack. Or there would never be a mugging. Or there would never be an injustice. But that simply is not going to be the case in this world where Satan is loose. And he has a level of authority. And he's working through the lives of men and women. And he's working through systems of this world. But I'm here to tell you this. That we are not people without hope. We are not people without a future. We are not people without a God who cares for us because there is coming a day. In that day, we're going to sing from our hearts. And Judah is going to sing, we have a strong city. We have a city that won't be penetrated. We have a city with a garrison, with an army within. And we have a place. We have a place through King Jesus, through his reign, through the Messiah. There is a better day coming. I cannot promise you, I wish I could, safety and security. I, can, I cannot promise you that there won't be an injustice or there won't be a tough time in your life. But we are in an epic story. And every epic story has its setbacks. And it has its battles. And it has its challenges. And it has its adversities. But the story doesn't stop with the trouble. The story ends with the end in mind. There's a destination. There's a place. There's an arrival. There is something better before us. There is an end. Then the end is good. And the end is eternal. And the end is a person. And he has a character that he's revealing to us right now. We have perfect protection because we know we are going to be part of of a kingdom that will never fail. We're going to be part of a kingdom that will never end. We're going to be part of a God who's going to come and he's going to make every wrong right. He's going to make every injustice just. God's going to come and he's going to eradicate every disease. He's going to come and he's going to uproot every system of injustice. Our God is going to assert his rule and reign. And King Jesus is going to show the world what it's like when someone holy perfect, without sin, qualified, rules and reigns on this earth. That's perfect protection. We don't find our protection through armies and governments and systems and weapons and and education and all those things that have their value, but their value is always limited. Our protection is in the name of the Lord. Now, you need to hear this because it's going to affect the way you think. This is the context leading us to verse 3. Because verse 3 says it this way. I will keep in perfect peace those whose mind is stayed on you. 
God's saying this, I want you to think about the next kingdom. I want you to think about your future. I want you to think about your destination. I want you to think about the end. I want you to think about what's going to happen in the future. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Here's the second observation is this. Perfect peace, the name of our title today. Now this adjective perfect, um, I, I debated using this word perfect because it because your definition of perfect isn't right. You understand that, don't you? All of us have a definition of perfect and the definition is wrong. My definition is perfect. God is perfect, flawless, without error. There's nothing hidden in God. There's nothing deceitful in God. Uh, there's nothing tricky in God. He's pure, he's holy, without error. He's perfect even when we don't agree with him. He's perfect even when we don't understand him. He's perfect even when he does something we don't prefer. And that's a difficult thing to accept, but this is what he has for you. He has perfect peace. Now, the reason I was hesitant about the word perfect, I want to explain it to you now. That word is not actually in the original text. Let's go back to verse three. And and today we're gonna spend some time looking at the meanings of this word. And let me just remind you of this. If you were in forward 102, uh, excuse me, 103 this morning, we touched on this a little bit about Bible translations and how they can be, they, they can be a little tricky sometimes because most of our translations are translations of a translation of a translation. And so we have to go back to the original meaning. Now, this, this word, you keep him in perfect peace, the word peace is a very important word called shalom. Shalom is not just talking about uh, peace from war, peace from conflict. It's talking about health, wholeness, agreement with God, a well-being in your soul. It's it's a harder concept to grasp than a definition to define. When the Hebrew people greet each other, they will greet each other with shalom, God's perfect shalom, God's perfect well-being, being right with him. And in this original text, what it said was, you keep him in shalom, shalom. They said it twice, a double meaning. You keep him in peace, peace. And the translators have decided to make that perfect peace because there's just no way to communicate the depth of what this duplicity meant. Now, what will help us a little bit, some of you are familiar with a very common text in Isaiah chapter six. When Isaiah stood before the Lord and said, in the year King Uzziah died, I I saw the Lord and it describes the throne of God and the angels were crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The, angel didn't, the angels didn't simply cry, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The repetition communicated something, holy, holy, holy. It communicated volume and it communicated a heaviness, a weight, a glory about it, uh, a something you can't even describe, something that you can't even grasp. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Revelation repeats this. I know some of you are familiar with that text and so that I said that to connect it now to how the language is structured back in verse three. It says this, I will keep in shalom, shalom. I will keep in peace, peace, a heavy kind of peace. I will keep in peace those whose minds have stayed on me. I will keep them in shalom. Now, I, I want you to know something. I will not have the ability as a human communicator 
to communicate to you what God's peace is and what God's shalom is. It just can't happen. In fact, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul describes this inability to describe God's peace when he says it this way, and the peace of God or the shalom of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love that verse. I've taught on that verse a bunch. And I'll just say this is, you know, God's peace is your friend, not your enemy. So if you're going to be in a relationship, a business deal, a partnership, if there's somewhere you're going and you don't feel God's peace in that place, you don't feel God's peace in that relationship, you don't feel God's peace in that business deal, you know God's trying to protect you. You can't explain it. Someone's like, why, why, didn't you, why didn't you partner with that business person? Why aren't you in relationship with that particular couple? Why, why aren't you going to that particular city on this particular weekend? I don't know, but I don't have the shalom of God. I don't have the peace of God. That's protecting me. And the closer you walk with God, that will help you understand that. Now, back to Isaiah 26.3. You will keep... You will keep in perfect peace. This idea of keep this is this protection. It's very much connected back to verse one. The idea of a strong city, the idea of a garrison, the idea of a strong defense that the enemy won't come in and, and the fear. It, it's appealing to the fear of the day. The fear of the day were the attacking armies. And God said, there is coming a day when you won't have to be paranoid anymore. There's coming a day where you won't have to fear anymore because I am going to keep in perfect peace those whose mind is stayed on me. I'm going to keep in perfect peace those who are thinking about who I am and what my plan is for the future. Here's the third thing. Third thing is I put up two fingers. Okay, here's the third thing. It's perfect thoughts. Perfect thoughts. This is where we need to make sure our attention is set on the right thing. I will keep in perfect peace. I will keep in shalom, shalom. Those whose mind is stayed on me. Let's talk about that word mind. Again, a hard word to translate. See, now we know a lot about the brain. So when we, we think mind, we think about this, this mass of tissue in our head. There's a lot of talk about concussions today. And so we're, we're learning the science of the mind, the science of the brain. And the Lord was trying to say something different here. And th- this is something you're going to want to write down or, or put in your notes. The mind here is talking about, check this out, your creative imagination. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? I will keep in... Shalom, shalom. I will keep in perfect peace those whose mind or those whose creative imagination is stayed on me. Now, we could go a lot of different paths here, a lot of different paths about our creative imagination. And the Holy Spirit's going to make this known to you where our imagination is. One of the paths are this is paranoia of we are just imagining fears, we're imagining scenarios. We're imagining bad things that could happen all the time. And the reason those fears are legitimate is because those possibilities are possibilities. But if you want to let your creative imagination dwell on dark possibilities, you won't have the shalom of God. It doesn't mean we're not cautious. It doesn't mean we're not prudent. It doesn't mean we don't have wisdom. But it does mean this, is that we refuse, we refuse to 
succumb to paranoia and fear and fearing the worst. In our creative imagination, as we think about the possibilities of the future, as, as we direct our thoughts, that when we direct our thoughts towards a future that God has for us, we direct our thoughts to the future he has chosen for us. When we direct our thoughts to that strong city, that strongly defended, to that plan that he has, instead of all of the worst possibilities, instead of all of the worst scenarios, sometimes our creative imagination can, can come into our minds and cause us to imagine sin. Sometimes our creative imagination can come into our minds and can perpetuate violence in our minds. And, and I'll see this is that the church... You know, we have been very outspoken about sexual sin, as we should be. We should not shrink back in areas of entertainment that promote lust and so forth. But we've been negligent about the entertainment that promotes unnecessary violence. Video games and movies that perpetuate violence for no good reason, uh, not for the storyline or not for historical reenactment, but simply, simply for entertainment case you know, I, I would suggest to you that's not done well for our culture. I, I'm certain of that. It hasn't done well for our culture. And, and the Holy Spirit will make, you, make it known to you what the balance is in that. He will. I'm not a legalist and I'm not here to be the Holy Spirit for you. But I want you to think about that. Think about these things. Our creative imagination. When, when we let our kids have violent video games that, that they play with no governor or, or no restrictions on it. And then we wonder why young adults in their 20s are doing terrible things. That could be one of the main indicators of that. Strong reason to believe that. Our creative imagination, there's no peace when we're dealing with end-of-the-world you know, scenarios all the time that are not rooted in sound scripture, but it's in theory. It's rooted in speculation. It's rooted in obscurity and those type of things when they, they become our obsession. And our obsession is not with Jesus Christ, the revealed one. Our obsession is with all these different scenarios that really don't have basis in scriptures. There's not going to be peace in our life if that's the case. You know what God says? If you keep your mind stayed on me and let your, keep your creative imagination stayed on me, shalom, shalom. There's a new kind of peace. Here's, here's the last observation is this, is perfect trust. Perfect trust. That, that's what this life is all about. Learning to trust in him. We receive salvation. We receive salvation from the Lord. And he doesn't take us straight to heaven after that. We live this thing out. And we live this thing out because we're learning to trust in the Lord. And that's what this scripture is about. That's what this service is about. That's what your faith is about. Learning to trust in him. Learning to keep your mind on him. Learning to keep your mind set on him because that's where peace comes from. Peace doesn't come from your own ability. Peace doesn't come from our government. Peace doesn't come from our weapons. Peace doesn't come from our education. Peace comes from our Savior and Lord who has revealed himself and has revealed there's a better day, there's a better world to come. And we can choose we can choose to let our mind go all types of places God doesn't want it to, or we can focus it on him and trust him. That's why I love what Psalm 68 says, starting in verse two, I believe. It says it this way. Sorry, I don't have this memorized, so you don't have to wait for me. 
Psalm 68, 2. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. Now, this is an interesting scripture to me, and too. I shall not be greatly shaken. Now, I didn't, have, I didn't take the time to really study this a whole lot. So now uh, I'm not going to give you hidden, I'm not going to give you the Hebrew of this word. But what, what does it mean that says, I won't be greatly shaken? As if I can be kind of shaken, right? I can, if, if we're on a scale of a one to 10, I might be shaken at a three, but I won't be shaken at an eight. I, I don't know what it meant there. It says, he alone is my rock, my salvation. I shall not be greatly shaken. Now go down to verse five, Psalm 62, five, if we can get there. It says, for God alone, oh my soul, wait in silence for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. Now look at this statement. I shall not be shaken. Now I don't know what happened between verse two and verse six. And maybe later on we can all study the Hebrew and you can let me know. All I know is that in verse 2, he said, I won't be greatly shaken. And by verse 6, he's saying, I shall not be shaken. Why should he shall not be shaken? Because on God rests my salvation and my glory. My, my rock, my refuge is God. Verse 8, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. He's a safe place. He's a dependable place. He's a place we can hide. He's a place we can be protected from the attacks of the enemy. God is reliable. God is our source. God is the one that we run to. He is the one that we can trust. The enemy wants you to trust every other, every other outlet besides the one who you can trust. He is the one who's dependable. He's the one that we can count on. And he is the one that's here for us. I want us to stand together. I want us to go back to, to, to Isaiah 26, verse 3. I will keep him, our her, our them, our she, our us, our the church. I will keep them in shalom, shalom. I will keep them in perfect peace whose, whose creative imagination is stayed on you. Why? Because he trust you because he trusts you let's pray about that father there's a lot of reasons to fear listen we can fear we can fear what's going to happen on this planet and we can fear our own tendencies and we can fear our financial challenges and we can fear the health report but god instead we choose trust i want you to choose trust right now you've been you've been um, a victim of fear and you've been letting fear steal the joy of the Lord. But the Lord has used this service today. And he's used this scripture today. And he's reminded you of this verse today. Because he's saying, fear not. Fear not. There is coming a day you will sing again. The song of your heart will say, we have a city. And that city is strong. Because our God is the king of that city. Our God has built the city. Our God has preserved the city. Our God has protected the city. And so we won't fear today. We will take on the challenge. We will take on the adversity. We won't back down when, when problems come. We won't quit when difficult times come. We won't despair when we're disappointed. We won't quit trusting God when we can't see his plan because we're looking for a better day. We're looking for a better purpose. We're looking at the end. We're looking to a city where we're going to sing with joy. Our city is strong because our God reigns. Our God is in charge. Our God rules. Our God reigns. He is King of kings and Lord of lords.
And we thank you for that. I'm gonna invite our prayer team now to, to go back to the back wall behind the left section. And some of you just need prayer today. Maybe this message has stirred you. Maybe before you even heard this message, you just thought, I need someone to pray with me today. Our prayer warriors, our prayer warriors that's what they are, prayer partners, listen, they want to pray with you. We don't want you to feel alone. There's nothing special uh, about our prayers. They're no more special than yours. But agreement is powerful because when we agree, Jesus gets the glory. We don't pray in Aaron's name, our Beth's name, our Phil's name. We pray together in the name of Jesus and he gets the glory. And behind the middle section, there is communion that's available for you. And up to your right, communion will also be available. In the last few minutes we have before I bring the benediction, I want us to use this time to stir the faith that's within us, to move from fear to trust, to move from from God being our adversary who we're blaming to God being our friend and our helper who we're worshiping. The table of the Lord is open. Our prayer partners are available. Let's spend some time with the Lord.